today I'm in one of my happy places in an old dynamite factory. And all my beer friends can already guess where I am. I'm at Triggerfish, Eric's little brewery in Somerset West, or just outside Somerset West. But I'm not sitting here with Eric. I'm sitting here with Dirk Prinsloer. Dirk is a distiller and a rum maker. Welcome to the show, Dirk. Thanks. <laughs> Dirk, today we're talking rum again. Rum has been one of the topics that has been coming up quite often on my podcast or my potroi, so shall I say. And uh, last, last week I spoke to Grant who makes a rum agricole on his sugarcane farm. And this is something different. This is a rum made from molasses. Yep, black syrup, yep. And how did you get in, end up making rum? You don't look like a sailor. Uh, <laughs> no, well, uh, you know, it, it was. It started as a as a as a bit of a joke. Maybe five years ago, a bunch of friends around a around a fire, maybe too much triggerfish beer, and um, we, we were all joking around and saying, you know, everyone's flipping making craft gin and whatever. And we were quite into you know student years into rum and. When we started making some money, we actually, you know, bought some nice rums and everything and started, you know, tongue-in-cheek type thing and I actually pursued it. It was stupid enough to, to buy a small still and started in the garage and stuff. So, yeah, it was actually like, it started as a joke, but... <laughs> so tell us, it's actually, tell us yeah, about the rums that you bought with your with your money now that you weren't a student well, the, anymore? The, 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 the good one... Ugh. It was the Mount Gaze and the Appletons okay. and um, what's, that, what's that drum with the, the one from Australia? It's not actually... Bundaberg. Bundaberg, yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we were quite into Bundaberg at a stage. Yeah. Lucky enough to have been to Australia a few times and stuff. So, yeah, and then yeah, got to taste better stuff, age stuff. And I know, you know, Mount Gaze is probably one of the best drums still there, all, all those distilleries and stuff. So, yeah, got And where is that from? You see, Mount Gay is from... Not from Mauritius. No, it's not from Mauritius. Uh, is it from one of the Caribbean it's one islands? one of the Caribbean islands, I believe, yeah. You actually should... Yeah. Okay. Good. You should know my, my, my Mount Gay knowledge should be up there. Okay, so you... But have you always been a rum drinker? So at Vasti, that was your thing? Yeah, well, I, 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 you probably can't be that proud about saying you were a rum drinker. <laughs> <laughs> well, coke. But yeah, yeah, I think after well, basically getting you know exposure to the better stuff, and I, I, it was more I, I was more into the rum thing than the whiskey thing actually. So and you know tasting the better stuff and actually seeing that there's sipping rums out there and stuff. It's it's and and I think rum. For, for a, you talked about the agriculture earlier, you know, you get the blackstrap molasses, you get agriculture, you get the ronza um, kappa, which is the sugarcane honey, and you know, it's like uh, so all these endless possibilities. So it's it's such an interesting spirit in the end, you know, you get aged and you get your clear spirits, your white drums and your spiced drums, and oh, it's a it's actually a it's an exciting spirit. Yeah. For me, I think the challenge is to educate the retailers or the trade. And then, obviously, the, the cocktail guys, um, the mixologists, 
Um, I think they're the easiest ones to get excited by rum, but um, how do we educate the, the trade and then obviously the consumer? How do we, or how do we reach the consumer? Yes, oh, it's it's. I think I, if if I only talk for myself, I think it's it's still it's still a challenge for us, you know, to 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 um, you know to reach them and tell them, you know, not to, not when when they used to rums, they people are quite used to, you know, not to mention any brands, but you know they 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 used to more. Uh, it's it's a it's something you mix with coke, you know. Mm. But uh, there's rums out there that are, you know, it's. Better than whiskey, in my opinion, because it's deeper flavor and all that kind of thing. But um, I think um, f- for us, well, f- firstly, all th- these types of stuff where we can, you know, reach the public and talk about it and tell what we do and, you know, how we make it and that kind of thing is, 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 is very important, you know. And reaching them is, um, I think, uh, we as rum producers, we... We actually should be more than a bit more of a tight knit community, you know, because mm. um, we have to start telling telling our stories and getting it out there so people know where the rum comes from, how it's made, and the love we put into it, and why we make it. That's that's basically you know, the big thing. So for me, that that is why we try and capture these stories, yeah, and, sure. and 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 uh, one way to do it is obviously to grow the category as as producers. And which isn't always easy to get everybody to work together, but for, that is one of my objectives: is to to do exactly that and tell the story of rum and get the trade excited about rum, um, so that the whole category grows. I always say, tell the story of one of my friends who lives close to my house started Tops, Ray Edwards, and he says, why on earth do you want to sell rum? Even the big brands can't sell rum. <laughs> you know? and, I, and I keep repeating the story, but that is, that is a real challenge about rum. So tell us about the challenge of making rum. Is it, I mean, gin is easy to make? Is it is it just as easy to make rum? All of the rum producers out there, they you know they start with the raw product, they ferment it themselves, distill it themselves, and um, that whole process is you know well, some guys in in the gin trade not it's definitely not a bad thing, but you you've got the opportunity to you know buy a neutral NCP spirits and whatever, and you can flavor it and distill it, and maybe you've got that less of a risk of fermentation and, and and for us what I really believe in I think that's where the whole thing starts is with your fermentation because if you don't have a good fermentation you're not going to have a good product in the end mm. I, I believe that maybe other you know guys can do it with just you know quite a quicker fermentation and maybe column still it but because we use a pot still um, it's quite a challenging thing because because um, you know, you don't get this high-proof spirits, and um, you, we have to blend quite far into the tails to get that flavour that we want. So we have to start with something good to end up with something great, type of thing. So that, that's basically, in a nutshell, sort of the the challenge for us is the whole production process from start to finish. You know, yeah. So if I understand it correctly, a gin producer can buy neutral spirit and really just flavour that neutral spirit to make a gin. I mean, not flavor it, but put it through a gin head and that makes a gin. So it's a re- relatively simple process and I don't want to um, 
hammer the the gin producers, but rum you have to actually you have to ferment it. So you're making a gin kind of beer. I mean a, a rum. Yeah, yeah, but but I know some of the gin guys. All the, you know, they start with the grain, and then so they also do the big process. But now I'm probably jumping to the end of the story again. But the, the yeah, so the fermentation process for us was was quite a thing to get up, you know the flavors and stuff that we wanted to use because we played a lot around of you know what type of molasses to use, what yeast to use, and you know what temperatures to ferment it and that. And I think all of that, you know, comes through in the flavour that you get at the end. And then, but I think that the biggest challenge actually for rum is the the ageing. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, basically, general, you know, it's easy. Well, easy, easy in the sense that you can you can distill it and then you can basically bottle it straight from the still. But if you want to make an aged rum, obviously, you have to age it for whatever three years. And you age it in barrels or? Well. We use a bit of an unconventional aging style, if you can call it like that. Um, we start off by aging it in stainless steel tank with um, oak chips, so we get that contact with the virgin oak. We use American oak and French oak, a combination of the two, because we're looking f- for different flavors. After that, we get that extraction. We um, pump the rum into all refurbished wine barrels, specifically wine barrels, because um, we, it's French oak. We get that finish in it, and um, we we use we've got this whole thing that we we want to use everything locally, like locally sourced in our region. So we use wine barrels from our region, mm. you know, from the wine farms in the region and stuff. And and I, I I've got nothing to prove it on, but I I believe there's there's a certain flavour that we get out of these red wine barrels as well so after the stainless steel extraction pump it into red wine barrels it's rest there for a few months and then we bottle it straight from the barrel. well i mean it makes sense because you're in the winelands and if as opposed if you're in kwazulu natal or in in the free state you can't do that so you have to i mean you have to do what's local to make it unique and and special and you have special knowledge here in the winelands that guys in KZN or in in gauteng don't have so that makes you different and, and unique. I think it's wonderful that you use those resources that you've got. Yeah, you know, we unfortunately can't plant any sugarcane here, so to, um, you know, the guys in KwaZulu Natal are privileged that they can, you know, squeeze sugarcane straight off the farm there and mm. they can ferment and play with it there. But we had to be a little bit more creative because we we had this whole thing of making a cape rum, but. Calling it a cape rum, you know, you can't yeah. make. Well, how do you make it authentic? You have to rum has to start with a sugar derivative, but you can't plant <laughs> sugar in Cape Town. It's, 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 you know, it's wine country or you know, whatever. But yeah, you know, so that that's where we, where we decided that we're going to make it um, authentically cape, if you can call that, like in our fermentation process, using a bit different type of yeast and pot stilling it, um, accentuating those flavors, and then the whole aging process of you know mm. using it firstly in the in the in the stainless steel tanks you know that virgin wood contact and using the combination of the french and the american and then the, obviously the wine barrel to finish everything up so i've got i mean just the fact that you're sitting in a brewery is there any way that you can do some aging with swap something with with the beer guys 
Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a, a plan in the pipeline. We want to do some IPAs and stouts. Because I, I, I have been, I mean, I've tasted some of the, the sour beers and the barrel-aged beers that Eric has got, and I'm sure that there's an opportunity to use those barrels for, uh, I don't know how it, which way around it works, but you probably age the, the rum first and then the beer goes in, or does it work the other way around? Well, that's exactly how we want to do it. Yeah. We want to age the rum first and then put the beer in it, and then the beer will get a little bit of the of the love of the rum and then obviously then we'll put the rum in the beer barrels and we want to start yeah IPAs and stouts I think that's going to be a good match our first match that we want to go for yeah, so, yeah but it's a and, and tell us a little bit about how you learned to make rum did you is there a course that you can go on or is it something that was your passion no for me it was a bit, well, definitely a passion project um Oh, the wonderful world of the internet. That's that's where it all started. I just, you know, reading up on it. And and then, uh, just the league was a good, I, I went on one of their courses, one of their short courses. Learned, learned a lot of stuff there, especially of dis- distillation, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I think it was more a good self-study. You know? mm. Google was my... <laughs> your, your mentor. <laughs> my mentor and my, and my best tutor. friend. No, but you, you can probably you know, also, so if, you, if you're passionate about something and you really get into it, you know, and, I mean, the internet has infinite knowledge out there and if you get, you know, if you really spend time and on, on it, you can, my uncle has this thing that he says, if you can read, you can do anything. Yeah. You know, and that's basically the story of it. So, you know. Okay, and now the big challenge is, is to sell this stuff. Fortunately, you, you've partnered up with Eric here at Triggerfish, so the stuff is available here. You've, have you done some interesting cocktails? You were talking earlier about some... Uh yeah, well, we've, um, we, we're privileged enough to... There's, there's really some awesome mixologists and stuff, especially living in, in Cape Town. And um, one of the guys, um, Peter, a gentleman... Um, we've, we've been collaborating with him now a few times before and he's been come up with some really cool s- stuff everything from raspberry beer schnapps mixed with rum and um, making like apricot shrubs and I see that's, the, well, that's a quite a new thing now in Cape Town is, is making a homemade shrub and it's, it's quite cool it's actually, you know, you can mix orange juice and put some ginger in there let it stand for a th- three days or you can even let it ferment for three, four weeks, and then you pour some vinegar with it, you keep it in the fridge, and it basically, it lasts forever, and if you if you mix, you know, all the dark rums, I think, go well, if you take your oranges and your gingers and that kind of stuff, and then your white rums again, you can put some mint and some apricot, and you can really play around it. You know, there's some Explain cool that, what you said just now, shrub? It's a, a shrub. They say that be, if I understand the history behind it is, and they, when it, no, well, many many years ago, <laughs> people used to their fresh produce. Um, obviously, it got bad in the summer times and wanted to keep something over winter, so it was a preservation thing for them. So they poured vinegar with it, mm. and the vinegar helped to preserve it. So that's basically what a shrub is. It's like a freshly fermented concoction that you pour vinegar with that you, you know, 
We call it sauerkraut. It's the same process as making kimchi or sauerkraut. And, yeah, it's just a, like a cordial or a yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, go, go read, uh, um, Google it. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a few awesome recipes and stuff out there and you can really... I think I think to yeah maybe to get onto your question of how are we going to start selling this I think this the cocktail culture that's sort of in my opinion showing it's starting to show its head now is is really something that I think is going to you know help the whole rum culture because if you think of cocktails um, I don't know maybe like eighty percent of cocktails out, out there at the moment use some sort of rum in them. And I think because rum is such an interesting spirit, because you get, as a, again, from your spice to your age, to your whites, to your, I don't know, platinum, silver rums, everything out there, you know, it's such a, you, you, it's infinite possibilities, that kind of thing. And because they, and I think the only, the only thing that's keeping rum back at the moment is it's still very young in South Africa. Like if you give, Distilleries like you know Whistler and Tapanga and, and you know us and everyone a few years down the line from now you know and people will see what we're doing and there would be some seriously cool age stuff coming out and interesting products and that kind of thing and I, I think that's that's the only thing challenge for rum at the moment is it's it's just young in South Africa still so give it a few years I think it will it will really you know there's there, guys out there that really making some good stuff so. In a, in a few years' time, it's gonna gonna do well. I've got a. Oh, I listen to a rum podcast, and they always talk about tiki bars. Now, for me, I, I'm, I'm in all my travels, I haven't come across a tiki bar or a rum bar in South Africa. The closest that I've come to a rum bar is probably Banana Jam in Claremont. But whenever I go to Banana Jam, there's, he's got the most delicious beers on tap. And I've never drank a rum there. Um, are there any rum bars in South Africa, or what is a tiki bar? To be honest, I'm not that familiar with the tiki culture, but I know it's, it comes from the American influence. So it's big in America, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's quite closely intertwined with the whole rum scene. Mm. But um, but it's not something that's that's happening here. So all the all the guys, it's. <laughs> want to start bars start a tiki bar because you might be the first tiki bar in South Africa no I think please someone out there listening start, <laughs> start a tiki bar and you know, well, um, you know, educate me more on it as such but um, to, to maybe answer your question of, of, of rum bars I think um, that again it's, it's something that will come in the next two to three years I think mm. there, there's a bunch of guys that say that, okay there are these rum bars in the, in the you know Cape Town region at the, at the moment and but I don't I, I think there's a big opportunity still for them to climb onto the you know what's happening locally and you know getting maybe a local rum in there as a house rum or whatever you know just to get the thing started but you know, I think in a few years time it will come but you know Tiki it, it's pretty cool. Cocktails in, <laughs> in weird glasses. It sounds like a <laughs> So tell me, what do you sell here at Triggerfish? How do you sell your rum here? Uh, at the tap room? 
we, we obviously lucky enough with the whole beer production, whatever you call mm. it. There's a few cocktails that we um, always have on tap here, so we mix them in a cake. Except tonight. Actually, run out of the. But we've, oh, we've, we've, we've got two um, cocktails, that, of not cocktails, really. Two st- there's a ramen coke on tap always, and a ramen raspberry on, on tap always, and then we seasonally make different cocktails. Like winter, we would make like an orange ginger with something with a dark rum and then when summer comes along with more mojito inspired thing maybe like with mint and apricot and that kind of thing so we, t- we try to keep it interesting and seasonal and that yeah but um, yeah we're looking maybe to open a bar here in the, in, the, in the future with you know someone like a mixologist working here and doing some cool cocktails you know every third night or something like that but it's because I think that's 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 maybe hopefully with the whole next movement after the gin thing is going is like in this do this whole new cocktail movement and and it's it's, it's an interesting space you know these guys doing some cool stuff so um, it'll no and that'll definitely help us if they used 80 <laughs> percent of the cocktails there or you know rum cocktails so. mm. and uh, you talk about um pot still what is what is what is the difference or why do you use a pot store? It's, it's for flavor. Okay. That's, that's the biggest reason why we use a pot store. So, you, basically, you, you get a column store and you get a pot store. So, um, summed up, a, a column store has a lot of reflux. So, if you can say there's redistillation happening the whole time and you get a much neutral spirits at the end depending on how many plates or whatever you add to it. But a, but a pot stall is, um, I know the, the definition for a pot, you can, well, we use a copper pot, but it, it doesn't have, it's not a plate, so it's, it's just like a mampoostal, like you saw your granddad, it has a reflux head on top, and that's where the only reflux happens, and um, you mostly start off with an ABV of about 67%, and then you go down from there. So if you think of 67%, it's like, and you end up maybe in your lower 50s or something like that, you know, um, more than 50% less of that is not alcohol. So it's all those oils and flavors and all that stuff in that mix. So that's why we use a pot store, because we think it... um, of not we think we found that it, you know, and and that's why it's so important for us to start with a good fermentation, because if we have a bad fermentation, you're gonna get a bad distillation. You can't hide it. You can't. Yeah, you basically can't hide it. So, um, yeah, that's it's purely for flavour. But uh, but all these little craft brewers that distill the home brew, you know, when the beer goes off, uh, and they make some some kind of spirit from it. Is it, I mean, can you taste it or do you think they just use it as a, with their mixers and cocktails? I think with, with the distillation, you can select your cuts mm. out of a, you can even use a pot still if you distill it second and a third time, you can get a pretty neutral spirits out okay. of it at the end. And, um, you know, I think if you, if, 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 if you trust your palate and, and you choose your cuts right, you can, 
Well, you can you can probably make a good spirits maybe out of a bad fermentation as well, but um, no, it's not a. It's I think the distiller goes a good distiller is someone with a good palate. I think if you can select the right cuts to go into your final product, no, that's what maybe makes you a good distiller. Yeah. Okay. And where can where can people buy your product now? Uh, if online we take a lot Yappy Chef and Bottle Shop. Um, we're available at a few topses in the Cape Town region, Barkeeper in the CBD Stockset. And um, you know, we're starting to distribute now into Johannesburg and Cape Town. I, I, there's, a, there's a few topses in the, I think the uh, Midrand region or so that start stocking it as well. But um, you know, keep, keep an eye open. We'll, we'll, mm. we'll, <laughs> we'll slowly start sending it everyone's way. Yeah. I mean, but most importantly, to visit visit Triggerfish here in Somerset West, and you can try the floating Dutchman rum in all its glory. And if you're lucky, you might even get it on tap. No, no, please come and visit us. You can you can do a lucky tasting, and you can check out our distillery and. And the pot store where we built, yeah, so yeah, it's cool. Um, so for me, if I look at the label, it doesn't. It looks. It's, it looks so cool and so professional that I kind of think that it's not. It wasn't designed by a craft distiller, and I'm. I'm not sure if that's a compliment, but it's supposed to be a compliment. Um, but and what what I'm trying to illustrate here is by interviewing Dirk is that there is a passionate and and really a. Ha- a hands-on distiller behind the brand um, so it's not something that's mass produced even though it looks very professional and very cool um, Dirk makes everything himself here at, at Triggerfish in the in the distillery thank you Dirk thanks for educating us about rum I think we, we've got a long way to go as South Africans to learn more about rum I always want to emphasize that rum has got a longer and deeper and broader history than even whiskey and uh, not in South Africa but in the in, in the in the, oh, yeah, in, oh, in the Caribbean the, islands yeah. and hopefully one day we'll we'll learn more about rum and hopefully the trade will learn more about tr- rum and we can we can grow the rum category oh you see no but oh thanks for coming by <laughs> We, um, yeah, we appreciate it, and I think all the producers out there appreciate it a lot because yeah, we all want to tell our story. We're all passionate about it, and we want to make a good rum for the public out there. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Dirk. And thanks for the beer. I didn't get to taste... No, I did get to taste the rum. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for joining us today. Rum Sydney is an exciting category. Um, although I think it's very difficult to break into the market. So it is a, we are trying to work with all the rum producers in South Africa to grow the category and to help educate not only the trade but also the rum fanatic. And if you know of any exciting rum or cocktail bars happening, then we would like to connect them with all the different brand owners. Thanks for listening today. This podcast was brought to you by Drinkspiz, an online community for business owners and professionals in the liquor industry. 
and we look forward to seeing you soon. Cheers.